Hello and welcome to Masters of Our Domain, the podcast which is allegedly about the hit 90s sitcom Seinfeld. I'm Milo Edwards, someone who's never seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. And uh, this week, it's a special week because we're joined all the way from New York City, the spiritual home of Seinfeld by friend of the show, Rax King. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's always it's always, always a, pleasure a pleasure to have back one of one of our old favorites. Oh, I think you have to say that like legally because I'm here <laughs> and like listening. <laughs> Look, the ones who aren't the favorites, we just don't say. Yeah, hell yeah. Mm. Fuck those so, guys. Uh, so keep an eye on who we don't say is yeah. a favorite. <laughs> so it's so good to have a guest with a pulse back on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, this week we are talking about Seinfeld, season eight, episode nineteen, the yada yada. Um, now I m- I must confess, today has been a bit insane, so I have watched this episode, but I feel as though I missed Elaine's plotline entirely. <laughs> I caught Jerry's plotline, which I felt like was the meat of it. Um, Elaine, but I does, just suddenly uh, Elaine was just threatening a guy, and I was like, "Who is this guy, and why is she threatening him?" Elaine, okay, Elaine, Elaine's plotline is is tied into is tied into Jerry's. Okay. Um, right. Very strongly in this one. It's a so, classic. Bound together by fate. Bound together. <laughs> bound together by fate. Um, unable to. I honestly lost the end of that sentence. I have no idea what I was going to say. Literally, I have no idea what I was what I was going to say. So let's just let's just let's just get on with it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I mean, I guess <laughs> Jerry's plot line, which is the is the real meat of the episode, uh, is that Tim. Well, wait, hang on. We get we get an opening bit uh, mm-hmm. with. Uh, Jerry and George having a discussion about what books they would take to a desert island mm-hmm. and uh, George fairly unhesitatingly says the three musketeers and then he's like I didn't know you'd read that and he's like I haven't I'm saving it for the island <laughs> I, res- I, I respect this I think this mm. I think this is correct you don't want to take something you've already read to the desert island yeah that's true I would take something that I've never read but I've been kind of putting off reading. I'd take Ulysses to the to the desert. Island. But then you're going to be Infinite pissed Jeff. off when you get there and you have this book that's like famously difficult and long to read, and you didn't bring I don't know the Three Musketeers or some such. Can't I bring both? Because no. the whole po- oh, the whole the whole point is that he says <laughs> he says because he says you're, you're, you're top five, and Costanza says what well, I got to think of five books. <laughs> So this is a so this is a special mm. version of it. Just the baggage allowance when you're going to a desert island is often that that is where they sting you on that. You know the flights seem cheap, but then if you want a hold bag, so you're just uh, yeah. Like the idea of like you know just like Robinson Crusoe yelling at his wife like you don't need a hairdryer. We're going to a desert island. <laughs> yeah, we've got well, to get more books in there. Yeah, well that is what somebody of Robinson Crusoe's hair type would say. <laughs> actually, it's so. hair privilege. <laughs> It's all right for him. Just fucking wash it and go. Mm, he uses wash and go, the ultimate shampoo for men. Um, I, I, I love that kind of branding. My dad actually used to use that. And I, it just it's like perfect like when stuff's marketed at men, just like your hair, you don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's always like a black bottle. And then in man font on the bottle, it's like, fuck you, my hair is clean. Like, Whoa. <laughs> Everybody this, calm this is, down. This is as close to dish soap as we could get. Mm, yeah. But, but like, well, that, I think like, those are, those like, are two different was never, never especially marketed at men. Mm. It was marketed at women. It had the, it had the, like, you just stepped out of a salon advert. 
did it. I don't remember this. With like you just I remember it having a bottle with like, salon. it just said wash and go. And then it had like, it was kind of a circle, half of which was blue, half of which was green. It had very like, in the way in where well, I'm just saying this as an observation of the industry itself, it had very male coded packaging. Like there was very little, there was very little soft pastel shades. Um, maybe they like, maybe they changed its, changed its gender at some point in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> the shampoo went woke. <laughs> they trans the shampoo. I think that might. I think that might be what what happened because yeah. I definitely remember an advert which shows a woman flipping mm. her kind of flipping her hair around, and then it says like you just stepped out of a salon, and it's, oh, interesting. And it's, the, and it's the wash and go. Yeah. Because yeah, I think Rack Rax was pointing to a different tendency in, in marketing of male grooming products, which is more recent, where it's the kind of like, it is sort of a, a like a more premium product, but it's marketed in that way where it's like, you're a bloody bloke, so you got to smell good. Right, you right, know, right. Oh, this is the, the bare smell yeah. for, for blokes. Um, whereas the, the earlier, the, ni- <laughs> the 90s stuff was like, you're a bloke, you hate washing, just put acid on your head, who cares? Like, it was yeah, a slightly sure. different... Yeah, um, but but both still exist. Both are still around. Yeah, um, but they but they've sort of stopped that now. They've now they, they're now sort of doing like oh, like you're a man and a man can be soft as well as as mm. well as as well as you know yeah. shaven all the time you can, you or whatever it is you men get up to. You could be perfectly smooth as a man. I think that's yeah, like because there was that there was that Gillette advert, like a wasn't hot dog there? fresh from the jar that oh. everyone made a fuss about. I didn't like hearing that just now. <laughs> it's like the morning for me, and you're talking about hot dog jars. It's I've been up for an hour. Like, <laughs> everybody, just calm down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rats. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This happened. You actually That's missed out true. a bit of the of the opening bit between Jerry and Costanza, which is that he okay. uh, as he asks him who's who who's the best Chamberlain, Richard, oh, Will, yeah. or Neville, which I think is a really good question. Yeah, or, or Lord. Who's, who's, oh, what the Lord Chamberlain? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean that—that's also. Possible. I'll tell you what, the Lord Chamberlain would tell you which books you couldn't couldn't take to a desert island. That's useful, actually. Like, Nothing too raunchy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That—that's what the um, that's what the the public decency censor in the UK used to be called was the Lord Chamberlain, and like that was like the whole. So the whole court case about whether Lady Chastley's lover was allowed was like involved the Lord Chamberlain and. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's an office that exists anymore. Um, God willing, Jesus. Sixties, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I don't think there's been Lord Chamberlain for quite some time. Because there are still there are still like censors, like you still have like a like a film ratings board and like that kind of stuff, but it's not in in the same. So I don't know if it got like rolled into something else. Um, but as in in classic British style, it was done in a very like you know seventeenth century way. You know, there's like a guy in a wig who's like reading your book to see if it's too horny. That's so offensive that it would be a guy in a wig. I don't really mind it when it comes from like the Motion Picture Authority. Then I'm like, okay, it's a bunch of guys mm. not wearing wigs. No, probably also horrible, but it's anonymized a bit. I don't want one single doofus wearing a wig telling me what's what. Yeah, it's not right. Mm. There's something kind of indecent about wearing a wig, I think. Yeah, I Maybe would agree. Maybe you should look to yourself. Yeah, like if you're going to go around calling other people's other people perverts for wanting to read Lady Chatley's Lover, I think maybe maybe have a little look in the mirror yeah at your at what wig you got on your head at your wig yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's where they keep all their perversions under the wig. <laughs> it's also really funny like what an English aristocrat would think is perverted about Lady Chatley's Lover and it's probably just that the man she's having sex with is a gardener. 
And he's like, not the staff. Come now. <laughs> That's for men to do. Well, this was next. Next, th- they'll want the vote. <laughs> this was the this was the argument. This was the argument about about whether or not it was going to be banned. It was. Mm. It, they invited the uh, they invited the court to uh, to decide whether or not they would want their wives or servants reading this book. <laughs> Genuinely, this was. The, this I'll was let my the, wife read it, but not the this, servants. This, not the, not not, not the innocent. servants. Um, the mm. Lord Chamberlain is still is still in office, but they're no longer in charge oh. of plays. It's just that they were oh, okay. in charge. They were in charge of plays for like two hundred years, and then mm. in the sixties, they're like, "You're no longer in charge of plays." But they're the most they're yeah. the most senior member of the royal household. The Lord Chamberlain. They do immersive theatre now. Almost certainly. Yeah. Anyway, do you know who um, the current so- Lord Chamberlain is? <laughs> no. He's the he's your man who uh, used to be the director general of uh, MI five. It's quite a step uh-huh. down. I don't know. I bet you get some great gossip in the royal house. To, to my mind, the spy masters, they're basically like the nation's chief gossips. <laughs> uh, do you know what I've heard about Iran? Listen to this. <laughs> it's apparently a keen you know ornithologist. Well, I was down the salon the other day. And you know Jean? Yeah, Jean uh, with, the, um, with the Iranian husband. Yeah, well, she says... <laughs> She says he's Iranian, but I, I reckon she doesn't know. I reckon he could be, reckon he could be Uzbek know. for all she knows. Turkmen, honestly. You know, Jean, she, she, you know, Jean she's, she's a terrible racist. She's a terrible racist. <laughs> just she just to know what your she husband just, said. She just, she, just, she, just, <laughs> she just guessed. She just guessed. She, mess, she met him on Facebook and then she just guessed. Oh, yeah, meeting him on, meeting him on Facebook. What a vibe. Friends reunited. Um. So, yes, uh, Jerry's plot line is that Tim Watley uh, has converted to Judaism and uh, he comes into the cafe, he announces this to Jerry and George and uh, immediately makes a joke about having gone for a, quote, Jewish workout, uh, which meant just going to the sauna. Um, And then Jerry's like, he's been Jewish two days, he's already making Jewish jokes. And then Elaine says, well, you know, people turn 21 and start drinking immediately. (laughs) (laughs) This is the two possible perspectives. My my only objection to the uh, to the Jewish workout joke is that famously, mm-hmm. like famously as a people, we are not that keen on being like too hot. Mm-hmm. Like we don't like drafts and we don't like being too hot. So the last place we're going to go for a lazy workout is the sauna. Yeah, we're a sweaty people. Mm. <laughs> I really associate saunas with Jewish people. I mean, not exclusively with Jewish people, but I feel like I feel like there is a. I mean, I'm not an expert here, but. Um, even just the fact that so many people who aren't Jewish call it a schwitz, which is obviously like a Jewish term or like a Yiddish term. Um, what are you like talking maybe, about? Well, I guess saunas are very <laughs> Eastern European and lots of Ashkenazi Jews are from is. Eastern Europe. Yeah, yeah, like the banya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, the, the Russians and the Scandies, they love a sauna. It's true that we are a very sweaty kind of mm. complaining people, though. I feel like I personally am not going to deliberately go into an environment where the whole point of it is that it's too hot because yeah. then I'm just, mm. it's going to set off complaining mode. I just, yeah, I just don't want to be in any, any degree of discomfort at any time. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good option to not be. I'm in coming out degree. against discomfort. <laughs> oh, yeah, I against don't like it. Yeah. I think it's bad. Yeah. 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 I would say, I mean, the demographic for the sauna at my gym, I would say is a lot of like older Jamaican men. That is mm. the um, now that now that's not really a representative sample. Um, I don't think there's a there's a massive Jewish community in the Bethnal Green area, so we're probably not 
um, necessarily got the data. I think you'd better just start walking up to Jewish people and asking them if they go to the sauna just to have a robust. (laughs) It's for a podcast. Yeah. For normal reasons. Not in a weird way. (laughs) Not in a weird way. Just for a robust Um, sample size. I would also like to clarify at this point that I am unusually unsweaty. So I don't know know which Mm. which side of my family that comes from. Well, (laughs) la-di-da, look at the Jewish person who doesn't sweat like a madman every time you go out in the summertime. I'm like, even Mm. just sitting here right now, I've got kind of a glaze just over my skin because the heat's on. No, I don't. No, I'm not like, I'm not a big sweater. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if that, I mean, I mean, you've got to think the, the Indian genes can't be particularly sweaty or life in India would be a living hell, really. Yeah, maybe it's that, a famously maybe, hot area. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe you've achieved perfect balance genetically. You've found like sort of the biting point of, of well, sweat. Well, this is what I tell people, but apparently that's a weird <laughs> thing to say. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I think I think we, we sort of navigated that phrenological conversation very um, very deftly, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny, the, the Tim Watley storyline, because it is kind of like, it's, it's somehow what I've managed to avoid, despite doing this podcast for years and being baited into commenting on the Jewish people almost every week of my life. <laughs> um, well, happy that we, that we finally met, that we, that we finally managed to do it. Um, yeah, and so and so so Jerry gets like uh, like a little mm. obsessed obsessed with this and starts trying to and starts trying to uh, like kind of snitch on on Watley in various in various circumstances, including he because he catches him uh, making Catholic jokes as well, and he's like, "What? No, 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 no! You can't do like you can't do both." And he's like, "What? I used to be a Catholic. Now I'm Jewish, so I can do so I can do both jokes." And he try and he tries to mm. he tries to tell on him to uh, to a Catholic priest who asks if it offends him as a Jewish person. He says no, it offends me as a comedian. But yeah. but everybody else loves loves Tim's jokes. It, like the 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 priest loves the loves the um, what is it? Is it Raquel well, Welch and the Pope? You know, yeah. you never hear the actual joke. You just you just you just guess. They're making a kind of um, it's sort of an interesting, I guess, philosophical area here, where you're sort of um, you're saying that like, well, he is now Jewish religiously, but but does but does he get to be a Jew in ethnicity terms? And and what and what is the meaningful difference between those two things? You know, is he is he sort of sufficiently committed to the to the I guess the baggage of being Jewish to to get full access to the jokes, or or is he still kind of one foot in and one foot out? I think the I think that the low quality of the joke suggests that he's just not ready. I think that's true. <laughs> he's not at the training. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I don't think there's any particular reason to mm. to to ban converts from 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 the, from the jokes, but I think you've got to you got to do your time. You can't get mm. you yeah. can't get like you can't get overexcited, I think. Mm. I think the apprenticeship model is a good one for yes. uh, converts to adopt like maybe you could be paired with a mm. jewish person of of a certain number of years yeah, jewish like AA. experience yeah exactly a sponsor mm, yeah okay yeah so you have to fi- so you have to find a sponsor and just mm. to be just to be clear like none of this oh well my partner's jewish or none of this Oh well, I'm a Tottenham fan. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You got to do the whole convert procedure. <laughs> no, and I then... like that you lumped those two in together. 
They are both. Exa- I think they being are married to a Jewish examples. person is a bit better than being a Tottenham fan in terms of level of kind of accession to the community. I, dis- but- I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. Okay, interesting. I think that once in a while, Sean will make a Jewish joke, and yeah. I always, you know, my hackles go a little bit. And up. I was just like, no. <laughs> oh no, not the no, hackles. Nobody. No, no. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, there used to be a. Um, there used to be a TV show in this, in the UK. I don't know if it ever made it to the states. That was called. Uh, that was called Old, Old Jews Telling Jokes. Um, it was mm-hmm. quite good, actually. It was quite charming. Um, and this was, and this was greatly popular. Um, among uh, most of whom, most of whom are most of whom are not uh, are not Jewish at all. One or two of them have like Jewish husbands, and they like to try it. They like to mm. they, they like to try it a bit. Mm. Um, and is that a thing? That's not. That's not real. No, it's not a thing. Are they confusing being Lily Allen with being Jewish? A short skirt, so not a big... Oh, okay. Oh, so they're confusing playing tennis with being Jewish. Yeah, presumably. Um, Yeah. What could be more (laughs) Jewish than that? Jewy. Well, exactly. Mm. Am I... But yeah, she made her a piece. It was funny. It was a good joke. Well, there you go. In fairness, it was a good joke. Yeah, (laughs) making someone repeat something is is quite funny. Um, Rax is 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 looking sort of faintly ill at the idea of this. I'm just thinking like in this situation where I'm the person making the offensive joke and somebody who is offended by it gives me the old, what did you say? I'm like, how do I... How do I get out of this scrape? I think I say, I'm so sorry and flee yeah. the room. I think that's my only yeah. ticket out. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. Fling yourself out of the window at that point, I think. Yeah. It's even, it's even more tough when you're in that situation where you're like, I don't, I don't think I have said anything offensive, but I'm now in this weird situation where I don't want to apologize because I don't want to seem as though I actually think I have said something offensive, but also I don't want to escalate the situation. Right. And that's when you're kind of like, mm, okay, well, uh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Tim, Tim Watley, is, um, he's, enjoying, he's enjoying the fruits of his recent conversion to Judaism. Um, and I think uh, the logic we could apply is uh, if you want to make if you want to make a Jewish joke, you've got to make two jokes that bomb, and then on the third joke, you're allowed to land one. I think that should be the policy. Mm-hmm. Good. I think ideally you want to you want to come in hot. You want to <laughs> just tell nothing but good jokes. That's that. I, if I mm. was in a position where I need to like navigate a potentially delicate joke telling mm. etiquette, I think what I would do is simply tell exclusively very funny jokes and then people would just have to forgive me for everything Mm. yeah i tell you what if it was that simple life would be a lot easier wouldn't it it's that simple just tell good jokes don't tell the bad ones don't tell those say nothing instead of telling a bad joke that's my other policy Uh, i uh, I really i really wish i'd had you in my corner when i started out as a comedian yeah just tell good jokes i could have been your manager like a like a boxing manager you yeah, that joke's been, not good. Don't tell that one. You could have been yeah. like his com, like his comedy sponsor. 
I'm yeah, just, exactly. I'm going, back to, I'm going back to the AA model again. Yeah, I think that in general, actually, comedians mm. should probably have to work with a sponsor before they're allowed to say anything. Yeah. Because so much yeah. of what comedians say sucks shit. And I would like to, to mm. reverse that. I don't, I don't like it. I only want to hear good jokes. A lot of comedians are, of course, already very familiar with the AA model um, through <laughs> AA. <laughs> and a lot of others should be familiar with it, but aren't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think merging those two things together would really be a match made in heaven. You could really probably streamline a lot of stuff. Um, a more experienced but funny comedian, but who's also an alcoholic, you know, just, just shows you the ropes. Yeah, shows exactly. you how to quit drinking, shows you how to be funny. Yeah. Maybe they should have yeah. an AA which shows you how to like quit comedy if you really need to. <laughs> yeah. I think we also need need the kind of like, you know, like the objective AA where it's like you're actually better when you're like on heroin a bit, but just don't take yeah. it too far. Like, I think this applies to Matty Healy. I think much funnier when he was on heroin. I think you just need, you know, there just needs to be a moderate. There needs to be like someone supervising it. I would love um, for you to publicly take the stance. I think certain people actually need to do a little heroin. Like it has some yeah. enzyme that their body just doesn't <laughs> produce naturally. The funny enzyme. Uh, honestly, you could you could start a great discourse by being like, you know, the traditional the traditional recreation of the Afghan people, heroin. And it's very <laughs> oh, colonialist, actually, to <laughs> demonize the use of heroin. I've heard variants on that argument about other mm. drugs and it just, don't be ludicrous. You know, be funny and don't be ludicrous. I'm coming up with all kinds of really helpful rules mm. for living life today. Yeah, that's very gnomic, I think. Mm. Mm, yeah, actually, <laughs> ludicrous has just reminded me that recently I saw a, a, a citation from an interview with Ludacris from like 20 years ago where he explained to an interviewer that his name was a play on the on the adjective Ludacris. Oh, God, he had to explain that to a professional writer. <laughs> I, yeah, because it was hard to tell from the context whether it was like him like explaining it because this guy was an idiot or whether it was him excitedly explaining it because he felt as though it was like a good like a good little trick that he'd come up with. I like to think um, he was, was excited to explain it. That's what I've yeah. decided. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we we may we may never know. Um, Ludicrous, if you're listening, please feel free to write in with any with any background on that. Um, I know he does listen, so um, be good to hear from him on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, that's basically yeah. Tim Watley, he's up to that. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, M Mickey, the the little person uh, actor, is back. Um, and him and Kramer are going on a double date because they picked up these two women in Gap while they were both buying the same shirt. Yeah, but I don't like haven't... these two together. I really do not. I find that two Kramer-like individuals is just too much. Mm, yeah, mm. like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of 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 this of this whole of this whole subplot. However, it is quite funny that um, there is a very very br admittedly very brief comment on whether or not um whether or not being a little person is genetic which and came up which, substantially which yesterday came, on our movie corner which came and i don't think we have ever had quite such a connection between the episode that we've done that week and the movie and the movie corner and it, 
I'm now worried that it's going to look like this was sort of deliberately thematic, but I promise it wasn't. It's just, it's genuinely just a coincidence. Yeah, we did. We did the movie Tiptoes, and um, oh boy, the, the never heard of it. Oh, there's a reason you've never well, heard of it. <laughs> it's been, it's been a very good reason you've never heard of it. Memorialized by Hollywood, basically. But it's Matthew McConaughey, and uh, in a situation where he is like a normal sized person, but all of his family have dwarfism, and his like fiance doesn't know, and then she meets them suddenly, and she's like, "Why have you never mentioned that?" Uh, all of your family are dwarves. Anyway, so then basically what happens is... What she says they, is something much worse. Yeah, they become they become scared that their child, because she's already pregnant, is going to be a dwarf because he like carries this gene because of all his family are. But actually that that's not true. Like you can't carry the gene for dwarfism. Like you either have dwarfism or you don't. And uh, which we ex- so, which it, we explain at some at some length in the in the in the episode on the. On, on yeah, the, and so basically, but, but two, two, two people who have dwarfism can have a child of the normal height. There's a 25% chance of that. So that Seinfeld gets the genetics right, but the film Tiptoes gets the genetics wrong. That's the <laughs> master of our domain verdict. It's, it's quite funny that an episode of Seinfeld gets the, gets the science of that correct and an entire film, which is centred around this subject, gets the science completely wrong. That, that is quite funny. Um, also, Rax, mm. it, um, it stars... Uh, it stars Gary Oldman playing um, playing Matthew McConaughey's little person um, twin brother, and uh, he's <laughs> and he just has his knees in his shoes throughout. Boy, I really like Matthew McConaughey, but this movie sounds just dreadful. Yeah, it, this this is something that they they probably should um, they probably should pl- um, should play to people who are in like Matthew McConaughey Twelve Steps. So if you're trying to mm. quit. Matthew McConaughey. This is a really, <laughs> really good thing. Yeah, this is a really good thing exposure to watch. Therapy. Yeah, it's like it's like exposure aversion therapy. Yeah. Making you smoke a whole pack of Matthew yeah, McConaughey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> making you Step drink Matthew one, McConaughey. You admit that water. your life has become unmanageable. <laughs> yeah, so, it, it is seen the very first funny, Magic though. Mike so many times. Um, yeah, just just uh, oh, it's also got Peter Dinklage as like an insane French Marxist. Yeah. Um, Boy, I there's, like there's him so much. On. He's gotten some crappy roles over the years. Yeah, he really, really mm. has. We just dis- we just dis- we discussed Peter Dinklage's um, roles in the in the in the episode as well. It's just it's quite it's just it's quite, it's just it's quite funny that it's a bit of a coincidence yeah. there. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it's the girl that that Mickey ends up dating is is the one whose parents are, are, are little people, but she's not right. That's yeah, the, that's right. Yeah. But the, the the kind of basically the, the the nub of this thing with him and Kramer is that they met these two girls at the same time and they can't work out like which which one of them is dating which of the two girls, which I, I always feel like those things shake out in quite an obvious way. Like if always, you, yeah, <laughs> you make that decision pretty quickly in most cases. Yeah, yeah. It's, I just it's I didn't be- think it was funny. It was like really mind numbing stuff. It just went on for. Yeah, far it's, too long. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not an. In, it's not an interesting B plot. However, yeah. it does. Uh, it does feed into um, another part of Jerry's story, which mm. I think is really important and which Th- we have missed out. That there is, which we should say very quickly, a great line when they're on the double date, where they're both kind of trying to like show off in front of these women, and these, and then Mickey's like, "Did I mention I'm an actor?" And then after a while, Kramer just leans and goes, "My aunt has been ill for a while." <laughs> 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 it's always like. Great. Perfect. 
That is, I mean, that's it's, it's a good conversation starter on a date, mm. I'd say. Yeah. So Why not? lean in. So Jerry thinks that oh, okay, well, if you know, if like all like all bets are off, and like we're just like making jokes about about anything, and this starts when he is trying to trying to get the Catholic priest to uh, to to intervene on Watley's joke telling and he makes a joke about dentists and it's a and it's a kind of you know and it's a sort of like old low level joke about dentists and the priest goes very quiet and goes mhm right yeah that's that's funny and then it tur- and then it turns out that this has been passed on to Tim Watley and he is furious because Jerry doesn't understand what his people have gone through. And Jerry says, what, mm. the Jews? And Watley says, no, the dentists. Um, <laughs> and it transpires that Jerry has got himself a reputation as being an anti-dentite. Mm. No one I'm likes one the of those. Dentist. I'm an anti-dentite mm. for sure. I, I sympathize with the struggle of the anti-dentites. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care for the dentists. I mean, well, it's long been an opinion of this show that dentists are liars. They um, are, yeah. Like yeah. They, they do the thing with the counting the teeth. You don't know. Nobody yeah. knows yeah, how they, many teeth there are. No. That's yeah. inf- when they speak that's information, in code to the dental nurse. That's like rude. That's like information which is only only belongs to God. How many teeth a person has? Mm-hmm. It's none of my business. No, none yeah. whatsoever. I've lost a couple. I've grown a couple. Like who the hell knows? Like whatever. What you know? I don't want to know what's going yeah. on back there. God and the equine vet. Yeah. That's exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Fuck a dentist. They are liars too. They, yeah, I don't like when they, you know, talk about you sort of behind your back, but you're in the room with a mouthful of cotton balls. They're like talking to one of their dental assistants. I don't like that shit at all. I don't like when they tell me that I have to have a root canal. I don't want one. Yeah. No. Do, do something else. How about that dentist? Yeah. Have you ever considered that? Um, well, well, yeah, we get this great what they like bit where Kramer here, um, is they like to is they like to tell you that you need like a kind of sort of like mouth guard thing. They're like they're obsessed with say, with saying that you that you grind your teeth, mm. even if yeah. you don't particularly grind your teeth. They they love saying because yeah. there's no because there's no proof either way, and it's yeah. Yeah. and it's because we have you a really, grind in your sleep because you're motivated. Yeah, that's right. Um, but we have a really fun we have a really fun system in the UK where there is such a thing as an NHS dentist. But a, they're basically impossible to find, and they're impossible to sign up with if yeah. you find one. You inherit one. them like a rent control apartment in New York City. Yeah, like I have an NHS dentist, and so I can never move because I can't get, I can't lose my NHS. Dentist. Well, you can move, but you've just got to travel back to your NHS dentist, like Jesus of Nazareth. You're going there for the census. You know, my my dentist uh, requires like not like every year, but like every couple of years, they ask you to send in a proof, of, uh, send them a proof of address. Woof. Because they because <laughs> they don't want people doing exactly that, and so you go to the dentist, and you still have to you still have to pay for any treatment and for the checkup. So it's NHS, but not free. But it doesn't cost as much as it would cost if you went to a private dentist. Yeah, we have a variant on that, but it's I think probably a less good deal <laughs> for us. Like it still costs a fair bit of money to go to the dentist if you have dental insurance, but certain things are covered i guess like nobody really knows how it works and dentists are always crazy expensive and they lie they like they literally do tell you that 
you need procedures you don't actually need mm. because they know that you don't know one way or the other and they want to cash mm. in. It's they're the, like they're famous. The, they're the untrustworthy mechanics of the mouth. Yeah, they. that's such a good tagline for the practice <laughs> of dentistry. <laughs> Don't yeah, like they, like they like they tell they tell you that you've got you know that you, you've got your teeth grinding and you've got this that and the other, but like genuine, but like they know that you don't know. Yeah, they know that. That's what. Why would I go to the dentist if I knew how to look at my own teeth? Yeah, riddle me that dentite. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's like that's a, that's a really good point. Also, I don't know if they've changed it, but in the, but in this in this country as well, um, they get paid by the NHS for seeing NHS patients. So what? used to be the case um certainly certainly at my old dentist is you were supposed to fill in your own thing saying what you had done and the dentist would always like grab it from you and say no 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 no, no, no. i'll fill that in i'll fill that in you just need to sign it there and you knew that they were like putting in stuff that they hadn't done so that they could get more kickbacks you knew they were fucking dentites Ugh, dentists fucking, dentite. fucking hate dentists if we have any Can't dentists listening um Quit your sorry. job. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I guess. Yeah. You're like a cop of the mouth. Fuck off. Yeah. Cop of the mouth. ACAB the includes mouth dentists. <laughs> Arresting your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Don't care for it. Yeah. There's a very good scene where uh, Kramer is uh, saying to Jerry, like, you can't discriminate against the, dent- against the dentist. You know, sooner or later, you'll be saying they should have their own schools. And he's like, they do <laughs> have their own school. <laughs> Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, mm. And at, at, the, at the end, at Mickey's wedding, it turns out that Mickey's dad is a dentist um, and says, if it wasn't my son's wedding, I'd knock your teeth out, you anti-dentite bastard. So, so meanwhile, here is Elaine's storyline. Um, Elaine has met back up with her old friend, Beth, who we saw in uh, The Wait Out. Um who Jerry has a big thing for and he has missed her breaking up with her ex-husband and and in the in the interim has got a new husband and uh, and Jerry's like oh god why I I missed the gap oh my god and they're trying to get and they're trying to uh, go through the adoption process so they ask Elaine if she's willing to be if she's willing to be um what's the word interviewed god I'm really doing great today aren't I Oh, like a, like a, like the, the guy, the, yeah, the, 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 the guy, the, the guy fuck who, fuck me, the, the guy who, reference, yes, the ref, thank you, Rax, fucking hell, um, mm-hmm. it got me too, I don't know why, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what, what is the word for it, you know, it's the guy, um, yeah. they ask her to be a reference for the adoption agent, and Elaine, because, <laughs> because she loves telling anecdotes, accidentally tells us anecdote that makes it sound like, Beth's new husband has this violent temper. This would be me, oh, incidentally. Yeah, no one should ever ask me to be a reference for anything because I have a big fucking <laughs> mouth and I just, I would Elaine all over that situation. Yeah, like if you like, if you like love harmless gossip, like you are genuinely so badly placed to do this. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. So that's, so that's, so that's what happens. And Elaine realizes what she's done and sort of tries to kind of tries to repair it and uh and she tries to repair it by agreeing to go on a date with the um with the adoption agent who uh who is not somebody she finds attractive and uh she does end up accidentally telling the guy that this is that this is what happened and it's because she gets like kind of she gets her kind of hackles raised because he again yells at her and, and she's like yeah see 
this is why you're not getting a baby because you keep yelling at me. Um, so I quite like that she is, she feels guilty for being responsible for them not getting a baby, but not so guilty that she can't resist putting the boot in when he yells yeah. at her, which she does not care for. That's me too. Also, it would it, the yeah. same situation. Yeah, like, I, I, I very much, I very much sympathise with yeah. Elaine in this, Elaine in this situation. Like, yeah, because mm. she doesn't even know this guy that well. She knows her friend. She knows her friend, um, but she doesn't. But she doesn't know him. And um, we'll just do George's story really quickly because yep. uh, the uh, the kind of the payoff of this episode is, I think quite beautiful i think it's i think it's a beautiful mm. beautiful piece of writing we love a little pale <laughs> beautiful piece of writing um costanza is seeing this woman who never fully tells fully tells anecdotes so she's the anti-elaine elaine loves mm. an anecdote and this woman refuses to properly tell anecdotes she says yada 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 instead uh and costanza starts to get worried that she is yada yada yadaing over like important information and it mm. turns out he's right. And one of the yada yada yadas is, is that she is that she is a um, is that she is an inveterate shoplifter. Um, <laughs> she's so cool. She's so cool. We love the she's yada such a yada cool lady. I got some stuff very cheaply. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at the and and at the end, when they ask her when they ask him where she is, he says she went shopping for shoes for the wedding and yada yada yada. We'll, we'll see her in six to eight months. Uh, which is a nice little close off for for for, for that storyline. And meanwhile, um, Beth has dumped the second husband because them not being able to get a kid has put this kind of irreparable strain on the marriage. So Jerry sees his opportunity and like and you know gets and gets in there and gets in there with Beth. And at the wedding, everyone like he is a pariah. Kramer won't speak to him. The groom's father. Th- is threatening to knock his teeth out and uh and he says oh yeah you know it's because the you know the dentist they're just so sensitive so sensitive and uh and beth sort of goes oh god you know who who, who needs who needs him and they tell a couple of a couple of anti-dentite jokes to each other and jerry is delighted that someone is on his side and then she says yeah not to mention the blacks and the jews what a fucking great final line yeah really it is <laughs> he makes this face, mm. and that's the and that's the end. Um, there's a there's a there's a po- there's a post credit scene where um, where the woman who has married Mickey says to Kramer, "I, I really wanted you." That, but that's God. that's stupid. That like the Kramer Mickey storyline. It's just it's just a kind of like it's kind of vaudeville. Yeah, it's very. They really misuse Kramer, one of the show's finest assets. I hate to see a misused Kramer. I hate to see a misused Kramer. We don't see we don't see Mickey very often, which which yeah. is which is good. I think the next time the next time we see him, it's a uh, I think is quite I think is quite a fun Mickey storyline. The next time we see him, but this one is not is just not great. They keep trying to put like additional Kramers into the show. You know, like I feel like Kramer was so beloved and successful a character that they just kept trying to cash in on Kramer type energy and you know and I, I mean sometimes it's fun when Kramer and Newman go scheming together that can be fun yeah. but like Mickey is just a just a diluted Kramer he is he is a diluted Kramer I think they kind of didn't because I think what kind of what kind of happened was the the initial joke was supposed to be isn't it funny that he's a little person and then they sort of realized that that's not really enough 
to to kind of sustain a character. Mm. Um, and they and in in all fairness to the writers, I don't think that that's the joke. The joke. I mean, the issue is is that Mickey's just not is he's not that funny, and he doesn't have any good yeah doesn't have any good stuff to do. I know I like I like I like I like the episode when he gets the job as the as the Santa as the as the Santa's elf, and uh, that's when Kramer has started learning about Marxism and starts <laughs> and, and starts trying to like um, uh, recruit the 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 kids at the Christmas Grotto. <laughs> I think that's it. That's, I don't think I saw that one. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds really good. It's, 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 <laughs> uh, it's such it's such a good episode. It's, it's um Elena's Elena's Christmas Grotto situation. Elena's date mm. Elena's dating a communist, and that's the Ooh. kind of the cent- that's the center. That's the center of the of the episode. It's a fun scheme. Yeah, it's a really it's a really really good episode, and uh, yeah, I, I I I suggest I suggest looking it up, Rax, because I think you'd like okay. it. Okay, I will do that. Mm. I will. Um, have I mi- have I missed anything like plot wise? Um, I don't think I don't, I don't think I have. But I also, so like this has been like an unusually. Well, apart succinct. from Elaine and her threatening this guy, did we cover this? What is Elaine trying to achieve with this? I kind of missed Elaine's plot. Well, we've do- we've done Elaine's plot, which is that she messes up her friend's adoption. Oh, uh, right, yes. There is an adoption oh, situation. Are we mi- yeah, I like because this is a this is a very succinct episode that we've just recorded, and it makes me it makes me worry that we've missed something out that's important. I feel like there wasn't all that much that mm. happened. Like I remember I've this is an episode I've seen before and I remember it being way more packed with jokes and shit, but it really kind of wasn't. Maybe I just find the Kramer and Mickey stuff so repellent that <laughs> I didn't like it that much this time. But, but, like, but like potentially that, no one that's that small it. should be friends with someone that tall. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Don't I just, like it. I just, I just, I just really, really like the, 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 the Watley conversion story. I do line. too. I think yeah. it's just, mm. I think it's, I think it's just, I think it's just cracking, and I think. Do, do that, they explain why he has converted? Is, is he gotten married or something, or is it is he just converted? No, he's just converted. I just pure. I I find like converting converting religions without like being compelled to by some kind of circumstance to be like a very like interesting choice in the modern day and age to just like wake up one day and be like, you know what, I'm gonna go Jewish. I reckon. I like the idea that that's how he made the decision was literally just like woke up with a whim. And then went through about 18 months of conversion classes and the whim just held out. He thought of a great riff that, that he would need to be Jewish to do. <laughs> but he, he was like, you know what? He, well, he really wanted, he really needed a sponsor. And you've got to do the conversion process before they'll give you a sponsor. There's a whole sort of That's set. exactly mm. right. Yeah. Kind of set it's like how you have steps. to start doing the steps before you can get a sponsor in AA. Yeah, exactly. I actually don't mm. know if that's true. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know if that's true either. I don't know why. I said, Probably, yeah, true. that's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I have no idea. Oh, it, it would be fun if, like, there was a kind of like a like a Jewish conversion therapy in the same way of the the version of gay conversion therapy that we've posited, where it makes you gay. And similarly, yeah. you can go, you can go, you can attend every week, and like gradually, they will they will mold you into a more Jewish way of life. They're like, you know, that's, that's what conversion a is. Bit too hot. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's sort of a brainwashing uh, slash torture. <laughs> and then the la- and then like the last day, uh, they kind of they sit, they 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 put you in a really, really boiling hot, stuffy room, but like mm. next to an open door which leads into a drafty hallway. And if you're like, I am the most uncomfortable I've ever been in my life, they're like, Welcome, Laheim. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. They should put you in a bunch of Seinfeld situations and you have to try and act <laughs> in the correct. Like someone has brought you a loaf of bread. What is the correct? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the bread. Do you put it out? Yeah. Surely this only this only works in the American context, though. I think you'd need a different you'd need a different process for for UK for the UK and because well, the there's of the quite world. there's quite a complex set of overlapping British social rules as well on top of the more kind of specific ethnic social rules that you might have. Um, whereas I feel like a, a America is has has less of an overall social your your social expectations are much more defined by your specific cultural background. Well. I like I I I would say that the ethnic social rules are quite often in direct opposition to the British social rules, which is why we get the reputation as being argumentative. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think what I I mean, based on the conversations we've had on this podcast over the years, I think some a, a lot of the Jewish social expectations are quite similar to a kind of like Essex auntie social expectation. Yeah, but that's but then because, there are some but that's key because being from Essex is the same as being Jewish. We've covered this. <laughs> <laughs> we've covered That's this how in I get some detail in on the <laughs> we've covered this in some detail yeah yeah so being from essex is above being married to a jewish person or or being a tottenham fan being married to a jewish person doesn't count being a tottenham fan certainly doesn't fucking count being from essex that counts mm. okay fine yeah i mean a lot of tottenham fans are from essex um i can't i can't say the same yeah the tottenham fan thing is is truly absurd <laughs> I mean, I can I can see I can see why if you if you're married to a Jewish person you might you might feel a bit of a connection there. But uh, yeah, being a Tottenham Conne- fan is a connection. Also a connection is one thing; a joke is another. Yeah. I see. Yes, you guys are like reverse engineering the Lenny Bruce Jewish versus Goyish bit. Y'all know that bit? No. He just like names random things and says whether they're Jewish or Goyish, and like you know, mm. if you live in New York, regardless of what your actual ethnic background is. You're Jewish, mm-hmm. but you can mm. be a Jew. And if you're living in Montana, sorry, you're Goyish. Underwear, Goyish. <laughs> Balls, Jewish. I think it, I think I got that backwards. But yeah, just <laughs> on and on it goes. It's really funny. <laughs> I, would, funny. I would love to hear the rationale of why balls are Jewish. That would be great. I think they might be Goyish, actually. Oh, okay. Nipples. Nipples mm. are Jewish. Ah, interesting. Yeah, because tits are as well. Tits are Jewish, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. They make an intuitive sense when you hear them, <laughs> yeah, but they, also no sense at all. Yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, no, no, no. I, I saw that. But like, yeah. Good comedy is often like that. Definitely add being, <laughs> being from Essex to that list. Yeah, put it, put it in there with nipples and tits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is is Essex the New York of the United Kingdom? Don't write in. Don't write in. <laughs> Please don't write in. We don't want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think no, but I think that's I think I think I think that's it. I think we've we've successfully we've actually nailed it in a very timely fashion. Unlike su- us, we've successfully yada 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 it. We've been very <laughs> we've been as uh, yada, yada. George's girlfriend is praised for in this episode. We've been very succinct on mm. this occasion. She's yeah. concise. Concise. I like concise. Mm. Yeah, concise Unra- is good. Unrambly. Mm. I, I think based on based on the evidence at hand, we cannot officially say that Phoebe likes concise. <laughs> I don't like concise. I don't like being concise for like, sure. I don't like being mm. concise, but also, but also, no. rat, I've received also a Phoebe voice go. note. <laughs> oh, won't send you any more then. 
that's how that's how you feel I, I felt, about it. I felt myself about to get a you look there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you feel about it. I like yeah. to embroider my voice notes. I like to yeah. put in a little bit. You need bit, the context. A little bit of commentary. Like if I'm out mm. and about, like if I've seen any creatures, you know, come on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You will sometimes get a break in a Phoebe voice note where you hear like, oh, hello. And that's when you know yeah. she's encountered a cat or some kind of other creature. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have voice to, note, you Jewish. Have, you have to greet the creatures <laughs> because otherwise they'll think you've been rude. That is that's true. Exactly you do have right. to greet them. Yeah. yeah, I greet them and I also discuss them yeah. with other people. Yeah, like if I'm texting mm. someone, I see a cool animal. Guess what? You're gonna learn. You're gonna hear about, about the, that cool animal. You're gonna hear about. The You're animal. gonna hear all about it. Yeah, yeah. You find a good crow or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. People oh. will definitely hear about a crow. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. I told I mean, you about. You'll be I, about it. I told you about the, yeah. the crow that. Um, that has been like partially tamed by one of my neighbors. Um, and she. <laughs> that was a hell of a sentence. And she goes out in like, just like, just before, like, just before it gets dark every evening and she mm-hmm. feeds the crow. And once I saw her doing this and I was coming around the corner when she was like, when she was feed, when she was giving, giving the crow his dinner. And I, <laughs> and I was like, this is, oh, this is, this is so nice. This is so exciting. And I asked her if she, does this like every sort of every night and she says and she says yeah and she she's she's looking a little bit kind of looking like a little bit shifty and then i notice mm. that the crow is not like properly like coming up to her he's kind of kind of hanging back and i sort of said oh well you know i'm sorry i'll just uh, I'll, I'll let you get on with it and she said well you know he, i'll let you get on do- with the crow feeding he doesn't he doesn't know you so mm. and i was like oh god i feel so chastened and so I carried, <laughs> I carried on walking. I looked over my shoulder and he like, he had hopped right up to her. And it was, it was because there was someone in the vicinity that he didn't recognize. So he was like sort of hanging back. Like a back. drug deal. Well, kind of. But yeah, uh, I, but yeah, like if, if I ever go for a kind of late afternoon walk, there, there she is. And there, there are a couple of them. There's like a little crow family and she feeds them. You want to make them dessert. Yeah, I want them. I want the crows. Mm. They should be mm. my friends, not hers. Yeah. Make a little She was crow trying to prevent cake. you from becoming friends. She was jealous. She was. Mm. She, yeah. She she was doing that. How dare she? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's not right. It's not right at all. It was just well, quite funny the way she said, oh, well, you know, he doesn't know you. So like she was kind of trying to explain away a shy child. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry. It's just, it's just, it's just, you know, He's not used to you. He's not used to you. Mm. He'll- That's how I have to talk about my dog because little kids really want to pet her and she hates children so much. Mm. So I'd see Fair like play. a toddler running at her with the arms up and scaring the shit out of her. And I got to be like, oh, no, sorry. She's not that nice. She doesn't like kids. Like I have to talk about her preferences and her <laughs> her personality. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. It can be a lot. It's a lot to explain to a toddler for sure. Yeah, I mean, adults are just as bad. I don't know why people aren't learning anymore not to just pet dogs, but they're really not. Mm. You need to get another dog, which is an XL bully, and then that'll solve the mm. problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's you cracked yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, the kind of the kind of dog that would eat a toddler, and then you'll yeah. find that your your toddler problems are no more. That's a really really good piece of advice. Yeah. On that note, a, an XL bully a day keeps the toddler away. That's what they say. I, 
<laughs> One um, way or another keeps the toddler away. <laughs> just a fucking hench pit bull. Just like, well, you know what? Um, anyway, so look, this has been an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, and it remains for us only to thank Rax very much for joining us. Thank you again for having me. It's always so fun to see you guys. It's a real pleasure. Ooh, it's, it's a real a treat. Mm. And um, Rax, is there anything you would like to plug to the loyal hogs of this podcast? Uh, you guys pretty much know my deal now. So instead, I'm just going to mm. share with you that I'm taking banjo lessons right now. And if you oh, subscribe yeah. to my newsletter, you can finance my banjo lessons. So whether that's something you can live with doing <laughs> is up to you. But uh, mm. I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's right. You can you can subscribe for five dollars. You can finance the five string, baby. Ah, I can't, I can't, a dollar per string. I can't believe this is what you're doing with my money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very excited for the next time we get racks on things to take a kind of bluegrass turn. I'm not even gonna talk. I'm just gonna. I'm yeah. gonna make that noise with my mouth. Is what is I'm that saying. The sound of banjo, can you? Can you learn the the Seinfeld, the Seinfeld slap bass, but on a banjo? I have. So people keep telling me to learn different TV shows theme songs on the banjo. Mm. I have kind of a backlog now, but I bet I could do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So next time banjo, you're on, banjo is a cool we want to hear I'm it. Of this. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yes, if you're listening to this, um, this is a free one, I think. So we have a Patreon. I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a free one. Um, we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. It's $5 a month. Wait, no, it's actually $3 a month for the basic ba bonus episodes of which you get two a month. It's $5 a month for Discord and the Movie Corner episode, which this month is about tiptoes, as discussed on this podcast. That was a hell of a fucking episode with Josh Borman. So do tune in for that. And at the $10 tier, you also get all of that lovely stuff and the What's the Deal miniseries, which this month is TBC, but will be coming later in November. Or it may be now already because we're recording this a bit in advance. Who knows? That is part of the fun. Um, and we will see you all very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.